Welcome, market participants, to another Three Things in Credit. I'm Van Hesser, Chief Strategist at KBRA. Each week, we bring you three things impacting credit markets that we think you should know about. Well, we just had a two-standard deviation, one-week move in the risk-free rate. And Mohamed Alarian has just declared that credit risk will replace interest rate risk in 2024 as the market's next, quote-unquote, big fear. Something to look forward to. In any event, this week, our three things are, one, narrative shift, when bad news is bad news. And two, senior loan officer survey, is it still important? And three, the SOM rule, it's back on the radar. All right, let's dig a bit deeper. Narrative shift. We are quite probably at the end of the Fed's hiking cycle. That does not mean, of course, that credit conditions won't continue to tighten. They will. That's happening by the Fed leaving rates higher for longer and continuing to run down its balance sheet. In addition, commercial banks are maintaining loan underwriting standards that are at levels we typically see in an economic shock. More on that in a minute. And of course, financial markets see all of this and they become restrictive as a result. Not that we needed confirmation of that, but for what it's worth, the Fed said as much in its most recent FOMC statement. Now, we point out all of this because the familiar narrative of the past 20 months or so has been, bad news is good news. And by that, we were referring not to some Seinfeldian, bizarro worldview, but rather one where negative news flow, such as weakening economic developments, meant markets could anticipate when the Fed would stop hiking rates and pivot toward rate cuts. Take last week's jobs report and ISM manufacturing survey both of which missed estimates and clearly pointed to a slowing economy. Risk markets rallied on the back of both releases, as investors focused on the weak releases strengthening the Fed's case to pause. Bad news is good news. But now, with the Fed presumably out of the way, at least in terms of rate hikes, we are moving on to the phase that focuses on growth or lack thereof. Here, the narrative shifts to one where bad news is bad news. Visibility around the most prominent risk of the past 20 months, central bank tightening, has improved. But now the question, the risk, is around growth and the degree to which that will be impacted. And visibility around that is less clear. That soft landing story, bought into most notably by the Fed as outlined in its September Statement of Economic Projections, suddenly looks fanciful. With credit spreads well inside long-term averages and this cycle's economic growth trough Still in front of us, remember that trough takes place after the last rate hike, the gravitational pull on spreads is wider. All right, on to our second thing. Remember the sluice. Remember three months ago when everyone everywhere waited for the sluice report, aka the Federal Reserve Senior Loan Officer Opinion Survey. Market participants were keen to know the effect of the March events how the failure of three good-sized American banks would affect banks' willingness and ability to lend. What we saw then was U.S. banks tightening loan underwriting standards to shock levels, i.e. those we typically see in recession across all borrower types, commercial and consumer. The concern here became so prominent that the Fed acknowledged that this whole episode was a key risk to the economy. So jump ahead three months and we have another sluice, but few seem to care. Maybe this is because the bank story has settled down. Maybe because we know that bank lending accounts for a relatively small share of total commercial credit in the U.S. 
maybe because we know credit conditions are tightening not only in banks, but also markets. Nevertheless, we still believe bank willingness to lend is an important leading indicator of economic growth and credit risk premia. We see connection in notable correlations between the sluice and important economic and market indicators. For example, bank willingness to lend to consumers, as measured by the sluice, correlates closely with non-farm payrolls. Ah, now I've got your attention. So what does the data show? Well, if you advance the sluice result ahead six months to account for the lagged effect, you'll see that a decidedly negative sluice result, along the lines of what we see now, implies that year-over-year growth in non-farm payrolls is about to turn negative. Not surprisingly, sluice data correlates closely with bank lending. The latest sluice reading suggests that consumer and commercial credit is set to contract materially, and that usually points to recession. Another example. Historically, sluice data correlates closely with credit spreads. The latest reading out of the sluice at recession levels suggests that high-yield credit spreads should be significantly wider. I have been reminded often that this cycle is unlike anything we've ever seen, so past might not be prologue when looking at tight correlations between survey data and actual outcomes. And in this instance, there is more going on at the banks than just deciding that the credit box should be tightened in the face of economic slowdown. But intuitively, the sluice data is telling us that credit conditions are tightening, and that usually means economic slowdown is accelerating. All right, on to our third thing. Psalm Watch. By now, you've digested all that was in the October jobs report. Talk about a soft landing. We and the Fed have been waiting quite some time for the labor market to crack. Well, we're finally getting somewhere. October was just the third month in the past 34, where monthly jobs growth had a one handle, as in less than 200,000 for the month. And all three of those occurrences are in the past five months. Part-time workers for economic reasons are up 18% since June. Multiple job holders continuing to rise and are now at the highest level since 2019. The quits rate and the job openings are slowing, as is wage growth. The unemployment rate is rising. The jobs market is softening. And of course, as we talked last week, a cyclical high of 45% of small businesses, as measured by the Russell 2000, are unprofitable. We know that small businesses employ close to half of American workers. We worry about how those same small businesses are facing the strongest economic headwinds of the cycle and how that is likely to contribute to rising joblessness. All of this is relevant because we are on SOMWatch, wondering if and when the labor market trends trigger the so-called SOM rule. What is the SOM rule, you ask? Well, it's where the three-month moving average of the national unemployment rate rises by half of 1% or more relative to its low point over the latest 12 months. When that threshold is crossed, we are quite likely to be in recession. You got that? Again, when the three-month moving average of the unemployment rate rises by half of 1% from its low over the past year. Now, this nifty rule was created by Claudia Sam, the former Federal Reserve economist. The Sam rule has been triggered early in every recession since 1970. Kind of a small data set, but it makes a lot of sense. So where are we on the SOM rule? Fresh off of our latest monthly jump in the unemployment rate. Just about to trigger, that's where. We're at 33 basis points, just below the 50 basis point threshold. Now, important context here is when the jobs market starts to slide, 
it slides. Typically, the unemployment rate rises four percentage points from pre-recession low. That would put peak unemployment in this cycle at 7.4%, if, in fact, the rule holds up and we enter a typical recession. A different world, to say the least. In more mild recessions, the unemployment rate typically rises about two percentage points. Even then, at that level, 5.4% would be well above the Fed's 4.1% peak, its FOMC members forecast in its most recent SEP projections. Now, Claudia Sam herself says her rule is an empirical regularity from the past, not a law of nature. So it can be broken. And, as we said earlier, this cycle is unlike anything we've faced before. But the negative feedback loop that happens in a rising unemployment environment is easy to imagine. Reduced consumer spending, leading to reduced hiring and investing by businesses, and so on and so forth. One more thing to be aware of as we head into the most challenging phase of this cycle. So there you have it. Three things in credit. One, narrative shift. From Fed hikes and cuts to growth or lack thereof. It's not a good shift for investors. Two, the senior loan officer survey. Its correlations are not comforting. And three, the SOM rule. We're getting close to triggering said. That would make the Fed happy. Risk investors, less so. As always, thanks for joining. Don't forget to check in on KBRA.com for our ratings reports and our latest research. See you next week. Hello, listeners. Join me, Van Hesser, KBRA's chief strategist for in-depth conversations with credit experts in my new monthly podcast, Leading Voices in Credit, where I'll interview market professionals on the latest trends in credit markets. That's Leading Voices in Credit with Van Hesser. Subscribe now.